Anirudhan Vasudevan is a socio-cultural anthropologist who writes and translates between Tamil and English. Vasudevan holds a PhD in anthropology from the University of Texas at Austin and now teaches at Princeton University in New Jersey. Mafi's translations include One Part Woman, A Lonely Harvest, Fire by Permal Burgan and A Night with a Black Spider, a short story collection written by Ambai. His area of research is how people form structures of care outside of traditional forms of family and community. Apart from his translations, he closely worked with Thirunangai, the transgender community for his doctoral thesis. In this episode, he spoke about his initiation into translations, the work he has done with Thirunangai community and the book Pyar he translated from Tamil, which was written by Tamil novelist Permal Murugan. Using the Amazon link given in the show notes, you can buy Aniruddhan Vasudevan's books. Uh, welcome to Harshaniyam, Dr. Aniruddhan Vasudevan. Thank you, Anil. Thank you so much for having me and thanks to the entire uh, Harshaniyam team as well. Uh, Aniruddhan Vasudevan is a trained Bharatanatyam dancer, social activist, translator and... Uh, He has a PhD in anthropology from UT Austin and now you are teaching at uh, Princeton, New Jersey. Mm, where did it all start? Can you tell us about this journey from the beginning? Uh, well, um, you know, first of all, I haven't been a social activist uh, in a while, so I, sh- I should put it on record. because there are people who are doing the work and I am not. I haven't done that in a while. But yes, so I grew up in uh, Kumbakonam in, uh, you know, central coastal Tamil Nadu in Tanjavur district. Um, I grew up there. I did all my schooling there. Uh, I was there till my 12th standard, my higher secondary. Then I moved to Chennai. And dance started there. Uh, I think dance is probably the earliest thing I remember. Uh, I was six years old when... Uh, I started learning Bharatanatyam um, from, uh, from Kuttalam M. Selvam, um, a wonderful teacher at this institution called Janaranjini in Kumbakonam. My father was a college professor at the Government College for Men uh, in Kumbakonam, which was part of Bharati Dasan University. Uh, he was a chemistry professor and that's why we were there. Uh, even though Kumbakonam happens to be an ancestral town for me on my father's side, uh we hadn't uh, lived there some generations couple of generations prior to my father's had not really lived there but my father went back there for his job and we were there and i went to school there and i think that's how it all started with dance and also you know because i went to school in kumbakonam um i went to an english medium school but uh, you know tamil uh, is you study tamil you learn tamil and you, uh, you uh, you know you don't have for instance like in chennai you don't have like French, Sanskrit, Hindi options. It did, we didn't have those in the early 80s. I mean, mid to late 80s, I must say. So I think that's the thing. You know, you had wonderful English teachers and wonderful Tamil language teachers and dance was happening and that's how it all began. Yeah. Okay. When did you start reading uh, Tamil fiction or non-fiction? School days itself? Yes. I mean, I don't uh, exactly remember a particular starting point for that um i think the be- some of the best teachers were the language teachers for us in school um mm-hmm. so had great joy in you know reading even the 
even though material in the te- textbooks i don't exactly remember what what was the moment when i started reading fiction you know i had a you know it, it i i'm sure it was popular fiction i had a great grandmother uh, who had uh, you know who had when ponni and selvan kalki's ponni and selvan had originally been published you know i think she had she had uh, Uh, taken the pages from the book and she had bound them herself you know we had all these uh, she, she had hand bound them and we had these bound volumes of pony and selvan and uh, and i think she would talk about them and you know uh, so i think popular fiction like that uh, sort of historical fiction fantasy fiction i think uh, that's how it started and then um, and then parallel to that english reading was happening you know enid blyton and uh, you know the famous five and others so i don't remember an exact starting point but there were avid readers at home my father my mother both of them and my aunt and everybody was reading so uh, so there was the general sort of culture of sitting with books yeah now before we move on to your writing and translation the area of research uh, at princeton for you is uh, how people who are outside traditional forms of family and community form structures of care can you please elaborate yeah so you know i am a i'm a gay man you know and um and it uh, you know i went through uh, you know the struggles that uh, that accompany that uh, you know that kind of self realization and knowing and then struggle to cope with the you know you know how the how the world is around you and all of that and then the thing that we call coming out all of that and uh, and i'm sure and and that those struggles are also hugely influenced by uh, your other forms of privileges or the lack thereof you know and so um uh, so i had to i had to find friends i had to find community you know uh, the thing about being um lesbian or gay or bisexual or transgender or whatever is that um that you are a you are a minority in your own family uh you know you don't share you don't share that with many others in the family right. in the family or anybody in the family so there is a deep sense of loneliness and an alienation that you feel and you find you 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 yearn for friendships and community you want to in fact it's only when you find others like you that you even feel that okay there's nothing wrong with me and i'm fine and uh, so but then you know what happens so how do you sustain those friendships right so with family and all we have, there are these i mean you know family there is just the very logic of family keeps you bound to the family you know uh, sometimes whether or not you want to be part of it it keeps you bound to it uh, so any kind of any uh, logic of being part of a collective mm. usually has some strong um, you know narrative of attachment you know right. or or it has some rituals you know through which you kind of reaffirm okay i belong to this friendships you know we do you know um schools you go you're part of a group of people all the time so, but but when people form friendships and communities that are that don't have that strength of that tradition or rituals or whatever it is how do we sustain them right i mean how do we keep them going and i uh, saw some really wonderful ways in which people who are lesbian gay bisexual or transgender and our friends and allies we create these spaces and communities i see uh, you know i work with a group of tirunangai's uh, wonderful uh, women uh, trans women and i see how they create these families and these networks so i'm largely interested in you know how um, how people do that how people create these relationships going uh, that do not have the support of you know the traditional conventional things you know right 
right right okay mm, now your doctoral thesis uh, is about religious and communal life of tirunangai uh, transgender women and their spiritual connection to goddess angalamman uh, can you please uh, talk elaborately about this yeah yeah you know it's a um, uh, that dissertation needs to i mean i wrote a dissertation for sure i um, i i'm saying i'm just dissatisfied with it there needs to be a lot more work which was what i have been doing since i uh, graduated right. so um, you know angalamman uh, is uh, is part of the uh, you know the regional devotional landscape right i mean in in andhra too like you have um, in andhra telangana you have ankamma ankalamma and uh, the stories are sometimes the same slightly different yeah. whatever it is you know yellamma you have in karnataka and ellayamman you have in so uh, these mother goddesses these ammans have a way of uh, they they're part of the landscape right, right? and um, they're part of the local ecologies their stories their narratives are also very much grounded in the local and the regional uh, um imaginations and imaginaries as we call them and what i found was that um for a lot of tirunangais um uh, there is a special connection to angalamma a lot of them are, are dev- uh, very very ardent devotees of angalamma uh, and this devotion is not just doing prayers and offerings right it also means channeling the goddess uh, you know embodying her uh, functioning as ritual specialists uh it it means uh, and also angalamma is not a goddess who's exclusive to the transgender community so they share her worship with many castes and communities across the region so it means that you have to uh, trinangais do shared worship uh, of her with others so uh, i was able to when i sort of when i, I it just sort of happened during my research and i saw that how trinangais for instance do lot of trinangais do angalamman worship along with their natal or biological family so it means that they have a very interesting relationship with their parents and their siblings and families um and they do this worship for instance if uh, trinangais live in various parts of chennai and particularly in north chennai many of them have their own little shrines for the goddess uh and the entire street comes together uh, to do the festivals for the goddess you know the one of the festivals happens in february march it's called the mayana kollai festival the other is in the month of adi and then every month something or the other so it means that it's it's a way of doing shared life with others so um so the, and for me the tirunangai devotion to angalamman became a lens through which to see how tirunangais do relationship with others but also relationship with themselves because um um if if i am if i am a devotee of angalamman and if i people see me that way it means that i have a sense of this is how i should live this is who i am and all of it became and i think it just um it just be- i wanted to learn because how do trinangais uh, embed themselves in these relationships right you know they don't uh, they don't extract themselves always as separate from the world you know separate from uh, uh, the world around them so that is broadly my work and i wrote a dissertation it's okay i mean you know dissertation is something that you uh, in which you show some promise and you uh, and you uh, graduate but since then it's been 3 years since i graduated i've been working on a book manuscript on the same topic so i've been uh, doing the work yeah so you're uh, still working on that and you are in touch with them still um yeah i mean it's a very close relationship yeah, yeah. um uh, and it's also i think for me finding i must say it's also about me finding um 
you know, it, it, I didn't plan it that way, but it's also for me finding a home, a community, right? Because uh, this is a way for me to learn how to um, how to be part of the world and not always uh, feel like I'm fighting it or something, you know. And I'm so it's been a very humbling uh, learning experience. So yes, um, I, I continue to work. I don't think I think the relationship right now with my uh, Tirunangai uh, uh, friends with whom I work, I think it's now grown beyond and above the work itself. So. I read that article in detail um, where you talked about your thesis. I think UT Austin published it, right? It was an interview, I think. Interview, yes. Yeah. You also talked about the plurality that they embrace, you know, outside their community. And uh, you talked about the, um, the way our society is right now and... Uh, you know, community embrace the plurality of other faiths. And one more thing you said about uh, the way they help, uh, you know, people when they are in crisis among their community. You talked about, if I may have to use the same word, energetic intensity. I like that word. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I mean, um, um, there is a lot to learn from how um, Tirinangais have organized their lives. Uh, and there is no one single Tirunangai way of organizing your life. And there are some things that are common, but uh, many there is a lot of room for uh, living in very different ways. Um, and, uh, you know, many of us know that uh, Hijras, Tirunangais and many transgender uh, women, uh, trans feminine communities, you know, um, uh, build these mother-daughter, guru-chela relationships and those are there. Uh, but there are also, uh, and the another another thing is this relationship to the goddess, right? Um, uh, and uh, and those relation those attachments change from region to region. But also there is no, um, uh, and what is also important for my Tirunangai friends with whom I do my work is also the uh, worship of peer uh, shrines. You know, they go to uh, the shrine, the peer shrines, and uh, uh, and that's important to them. Um, and and the, it's partly because of the long histories of connection with the Hijra life worlds in Western India. And there is also, you know, my, the, the Angalaman devotees, Tirunangais with whom I do my work, they also do annual pilgrimages to Velankani shrine. So there is a way, there is a, there is a broad, uh, capacious way to imagine devotional life, religious life. Um, and many of the devotees of Angalaman who come today are also from Christian Muslim families um, and 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 as you will read Trinangais also um, have a very critical relationship with caste because they leave uh, their in I mean in many ways they step out of their uh, natal or biological families in 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 a way giving up the place in the caste family uh, and it's it they wrestle with it right I mean uh, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to say that it's caste-free. It can be caste-free, but the point is that there is a critical relationship because you, 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 your relationship with your biological family or natal family becomes troubled. So there is a quite a lot to learn, and I think it's perhaps I think you asked. Uh, we talked about uh, how to help others, how to help others in crisis. I think it also comes from uh, comes from this when you when the traditional structures that. Uh, are supposed to protect you, are supposed to come to your rescue when you're in trouble, when you can no longer take them uh, for granted. Uh, um, and when you ha have a critical relationship with those structures, uh, uh, because those structures, you know, however nice they can be when in times of crisis, you realize that they are informed by caste or informed by various other oppressive 
logics, uh, then I think then you create your own structures. And when you create your own structures, you you uh, and you need to know how to show up for others like you or others who are dependent on you, other who others who. So um, uh, and and to be a transgender person in India today or anywhere uh, is very incredibly hard. It's uh, it's uh, it's to face great vulnerability, uh, face great vulnerability, and to court. It's to it's to experience violence. So then trans persons in general face a lot more crises and it means it means that you need to keep intervening in crises you know whether it is police violence or whether it is violence from communities or whether it is illness or aging or whatever it is so part of my work has also been uh, again i did not plan it like this the way anthropological field work works you spend a lot, lot of time and uh, you i got to see how uh, Tirinangais respond when somebody else is in in crisis, and uh, the kind of you know, and the kind of energetic intensity with which um, uh, Tirinangais go to rescue or to respond to somebody in crisis, um, uh, it's very it's moving, but it's also very mind-boggling to see how uh, how can this happen time and again? How how can people have the energy to keep responding to crises, and what kind of a world is it? That keeps bringing crisis, you know, to yeah, to yeah. A, to a people repeatedly. So yeah, so that's that's been the core of my work. What I'm doing here is also a kind of translation. I mean, anthropo ethnography involves translation because it is to it is to make uh, the workings of one world, one cultural world, or one life world intelligible and recognizable to somebody, and uh, it it brings the same anxieties, same worries same responsibilities that any act of translation does and the thing is that this is not nothing great i mean in the sense you know uh, trans people in india today are uh, have uh, are producing uh, writings and literature and uh, 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 for instance you know revati amma uh, a revati um, her memoir, she wrote a memoir called Veldai Mori in Tamil, which was translated by, beautifully translated by V. Gita. And, uh, and Revati also performs her life story. And the life story has all of the things that I just mentioned. So it's not like I'm, I'm not needed. I'm actually superfluous to the situation. So the um, Revati Amma came to Princeton and performed and, uh, and just moved. Uh, it was just the, the conversation it generated. Priya Babu in Madurai, for instance, um, who runs a transgender resource center? Amazing place. Has written uh, written books. Has written uh, a study of uh, Tirunangai life worlds. Has written novels. Uh, is making a movie. Um, Kalki Subramaniam. Many many others. Right and trans men too. Uh, um, there, there is a there are there are this material. There's work that comes out of it. So, but for me, it was a way to, you know, coming from an upper caste family, coming from a Brahmin family. Uh, and having my own struggles to find structures of support, but to see how the group of Tirunangas that I work with, to see how uh, my Tirunanga friends have created a way to be with each other, uh, but also the way to be with their neighbors, the way to be with the, uh, the family, the way to care for parents. So a lot of Tirunangas now are now caring for their elderly parents. You know, um, it could be the family that once rejected you or once threw you out, and slowly maybe the relationship mended. But Tiritangas are caregivers and they're materially providing for their elderly. Anyway, this is all more than anything else. It's a way to uh, um, learn 
uh, what we often forget is you know we we, have, we are we may be very caught up in the way we live our lives we forget that other peoples are living lives differently in other ways mm-hmm. so uh, other ways of living and organizing one's lives are possible so it's just been you know like for me a source of wonder and joy yeah beautiful so when is this uh, book coming out <laughs> that's a good question well i will be done with the manuscript this year um again it's been a slow thing for these reasons right um uh because uh the reading guys don't need me to uh, write a book uh their lives are playing out uh it is it's not for you know the uh, to, to be genuine i have to be honest right so um what am i writing am i am i getting this right am i is this the right way to look at it is this a way that is uh uh is this is this a, a good explanation or a good description of how things are how these relationships are i think um uh, and and then covid of course came in uh, you know i finished in 2020 and then covid started and then of course all our lives were completely upended so it's it's taken a couple of years but i will uh, my uh, i hope um, that i'll be done with this manuscript later this year and then we will see uh, uh, hopefully next year yeah see you were a performing artist too right you are a trained bharatanatyam no longer i uh, used to be yes and you are into writing right mm, so in terms of artistic pursuit uh, could you please compare in terms of self expression and communication to the external world can you please compare these two art forms you know with, with dance it's uh, you know again you know the dance has its own politics right i mean uh, you know a form like bharatanatyam has its own history of and its politics and we now we more than ever we are now aware of it and we talk about it uh, and that's important but as a child you know i did not know all that and for me i think that even as a child i knew that there was something different about me uh, i didn't have the word gay or queer i you don't know i mean you're a child but i had the sense that uh, i was different and i could see it in uh, sometimes in the way in the eyes of others i think dance was a space in which i think i could sort of forget all that and you know just you know it didn't give me joy i don't i don't know if it is self expression it felt like more like self forgetting actually uh, for a long time um which was uh, which was very helpful which was very calming for me it was very therapeutic for me um and i think that i did the mistake of thinking that you know i'm going to take art professionally i don't think i, I was cut out for that i think that i think i was really enjoying dancing uh because it it you know it 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 uh, i think it took my attention away from worrying about things um and i think i mistook that sense of freedom and joy as uh, you know i'll tell you this anil in everything i do and this is the truth i have more passion than talent i am trying to remedy that okay so i'm trying to change that i'm trying to uh, i'm trying to become more skilled in the things that i do including translation but i think i meet the world with more passion than skill and that's not always good you need skill too uh, but the thing is that i mistook that passion when it comes to dance for oh oh i'm going to do this professionally i didn't i don't think i was cut out for that and i struggled and i gave it up um and um and with writing i struggled too with translation i struggled too and um, so I, I, all i'm saying is that all of these could be vehicles for self expression but for me um uh you know uh it, it doesn't come easily it, it just it takes work yeah
yeah okay nice um, when did you get initiated to permal morgan's work and uh, i think your first book uh, one part woman is the, your first book uh, for translation right that you translated yeah yeah what made you take up the yeah. translation of one part woman and how did it happen i forget what uh, else i had read before that i had been reading uh, literature uh, but i remember that i picked up madhuru pagan um at the book fair at the chennai international book fair uh, i think it was december uh, 2011 um and i read it and i was just deeply moved by it um many reasons one is for instance you know the kali and ponna's relationship uh the way in which permal morgan is able to describe the love between them you know the intimacy between them they really love each other in fact the story is about the story is about how to keep how to keep that intimacy right. going right the threat is being childless and the way the society around them perceives yeah. that is a threat to their intimacy but the intimacy the the sensuousness uh, in the way in which they look at each other all of it was very moving mm-hmm. for me um and uh and i was very moved and i was like speaking to kannan of kalachuvadu uh, because i used to write for a while i was writing in kalachuvadu magazine uh, so i knew kannan so i thought oh, somebody has to translate this and he said well why don't you i hadn't done i had translated activist pamphlets and i translated some poetry you know uh, between tamil right. and english and then but then you know i think again like i said i think the passion um you know the passion overcame uh, any uh, diffidence that i should have had about any lack of uh, appropriate skill but anyway so i took it up and i really enjoyed it but even then you know i thought of you know oh like i thought okay i'm translating this for uh, you know my friends who don't you know my indian other friends indian friends who don't read tamil literature you know um uh, so i those were the people in my mind those were the friends audience readers in my mind you know and then I, and so um anyway so i did it and it was it was fun i enjoyed doing it you have also translated uh, ambai's uh, short stories you know i had also again i i had been reading ambai both in tamil and in lakshmi homstone's translations yeah. for instance uh and the you know the there's a tightness to the stories right i mean there is nothing that is not needed there there is the stories are very tight and clearly composed and um and there is a subtlety to things you know things are not overstated and um uh, i'd always been a fan and uh, you know when uh, and then we got together well i had read ore karupu chelandiyudan ore river night with a night with a black spider the collection and and then when we started talking about this you know i was just uh, very moved it's about actually getting it's about it's about getting the you know the 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 subtlety just the, sometimes things are just said suggested nothing more um it was a really fantastic experience we worked uh, we worked back and forth and i happened to be in india at the time so we sort of went back and forth uh, with various drafts and it was a really lovely experience okay uh, going back to permal morgan where do you place uh, permal morgan's work in contemporary tamil literature and why should anybody read him you know um there are other people who can answer this better people who have a the a better grasp of the history of tamil literature and the and the sort of a broad detailed view of contemporary tamil literary landscape um uh, uh, unfortunately i'm not one of them because um uh, 
uh, again, you know, I'm not a literary scholar, so I uh, I don't have that sense. And I've been a even though I did my master's in literature and I've been an anthropologist for a while, so my attention mm-hmm. is taken up with other things. But mm-hmm. I think uh, Perumal Murugan is one of the finest Tamil writers we have, and the uh, and the reason to read him is um, is his capacity to uh, you know the, the there is a way in which he gets into this, the skin of the characters, especially the women characters. There's a way in which I think he is able to sort of give give us a glimpse of the world through their eyes. You know, it happens in flashes, and you see how the world must look. You know, even in Madhurubagan, you know, there is a uh, towards the end, she is ponas at the at the fairgrounds, and she sees these dancers dancing, mm-hmm. and you see for a, mm-hmm. for a moment you see the dancers through her eyes you know or you see kali through her eyes or you see in when it comes to pukri and you know pyre in english you know you see how the rock or the new place in which saroja is, finds herself everything you know even as the novel opens you know she's she's in this landscape that is totally alien to her and how it looks um mm-hmm. i think um, in the, it's just the capacity to be capacity to get a glimpse of the world through somebody else's eyes somebody else's things and i think you see that that, that flash is quite beautiful and i think that in itself is enough the reason why you should read perman murugan you know yeah i mean even a goat right uh, the story yeah, of the yeah. goat is brilliantly translated by uh, kalyan raman and i don't know you want to call it empathy or you want to call it i think uh, keats called it uh, the negative capability that capacity to negate one's own perspective in a so to speak to see the world from some other perspective and he says shakespeare had it uh, and, and, and dickens had it and stuff so i think um, that's a way to sort of see reason why i would read perman murugan no totally how many books you have translated so far of his entire your body of work so to say oh god i don't think we should use words like body of work it's all new um, and I, i genuinely wish i mean this this is not false modesty at all I really wish I could just go back and do over everything, uh, but that's not how things work. Um, I I took five or six, I think. Uh, I'm not uh, I'm not able to quickly tell you the number, but yeah. Okay. Now, uh, how many hours you spend uh, on a working day and on a holiday on translations? And how many pages you do? You have any target or? I do have targets, but I rarely meet them. Um, and I don't know. Some days, you know, I, I tell myself that I'm going to sit for, uh, you know, a certain time. But uh, sometimes I just get, I do get sort of get caught up in something, and uh, and then I just end up doing only a little. And some days it goes. It sort of flows. uh i don't know i've learned to think of this as grace and like okay today it's happening so i'm grateful that it's happening so i'm you know so not to it's very humbling i'm learned to think of this as okay now um i'll i'll you know i'll go with the flow um uh but yeah no i do set targets but i rarely meet them so uh, yeah but the editors have been very patient so far yeah uh, how many hours you spend at least that uh... per day yeah but yes again i can't tell you that because it depends because of the job right because uh because of the teaching because of, again i have to work on my uh, i had to work on my dissertation at the time and then i had to do on you know i had my own research audio interviews transcription translation so i had to do the other kind of translation also um so i can't 
uh, tell you but i there have been breaks when i uh, um i remember uh, there have been summers when i've sat for 3 4 hours every day to do things uh, but when the semester is going on you know uh, it's all at the mercy of how things go yeah fire the source pookuli is dedicated to a boy named ilavarasan right uh, what is the back story you know ilavarasan was a dalit boy uh, who was murdered and um, and you know that was in uh, 2013 you know in dharmapuri district was uh, married to an upper caste girl a one year girl and uh, uh, one of those uh, unfortunately a uh, um, shamefully one of the many so called honor killings that we have uh, seen and uh, the and by the time i think the translation came out there had been other murders the gokul raj murder had happened and recently there was the verdict in the chennai high court and so um, um and so yeah the book is the book um i think grew out of uh, of a, of this this sadness this grief this anger at uh, uh, the murder of dalit youth yeah what attracted to me as a reader in his writing is the way he deals with uh, negative characters in his writing right negative so to say the dark characters um for instance uh, kumareshan's mother marai uh, though it's a dark character he vividly describes her longing for her son and her journey as a young widow about her fears and getting isolated from his son because of the marriage and all and it, it's really lovely the way he wrote about it even even saroja the relationship between saroja saroja and kumareshan though he left her home parental home and uh, came out with kumareshan to get married to uh, she keeps uh, you know reminiscing about uh, you know her brother and father and uh, the way it's written you know the, there is lot of empathy and balance for uh, different shades of each character it is they are not uh, monochromatic characters no i completely agree um the i mean you know perman murugan shows that we're all um you know um fortunately or unfortunately uh, uh we're we are beings within history right within a moment and we not um um i mean she's shaped by her life she's shaped by her caste she's shaped by her marriage she's shaped by her widowhood uh and she's shaped by how she was treated by others and i think her uh, because she was widowed early i think that she had this huge dependence on her family so i think that also makes her more binds her more towards um you know the the caste based family right because she her family supported her and everything um and so yeah so you see like she's three dimensional she's full you know i mean uh, it's not it's not a flat badness right it's not a flat sort of a false traditional position it's it's the um i mean he shows how how embedded uh, uh how difficult it is to to move past the system or get because you know people are people's biographies are shaped by uh, lives and who supports them and what so yeah so you see that uh, you see that in her and you see uh, the fear you see the worry and you see 
and also you see that fear the self preservation no like what happens i am going to be abandoned and you know and the village is going to turn against me there is that and yeah you see i mean you see that even in uh, in other novels as well i mean you um if you take uh, resolve uh, kanganam uh, you see the the man is struggling to get married uh, and you see the again uh, there is a mother who Uh, is portrayed as uh, somehow difficult at least the son experiences her as a difficult mother who is come in the way of prospective alliances uh, but you see her her uh, her also in her in her full three dimensional you know thing it doesn't mean that it it doesn't excuse her behavior it doesn't excuse marai's behavior but uh, but you see that you see the richness of the characterization and even in madhurbagan i think uh, kali for instance there are you know there are moments when kali and muttu is brother in law are drinking and you can see that um, even when they are talking about the temple festival and everything you can see uh, there is a moment where kali uh, kali's own uh, 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 casteist mentality comes out um, yeah so i'm saying kali again because just because he is a protagonist doesn't mean that you know he is this perfect person right he's uh, one of the things that makes him anxious about the temple festival is that there are you know men from other castes there and who knows who, what who who the man would be so yeah so i think perman morgan sort of i think uh, gets at the complexity of things yeah about the book pair right so what is that you wanted the readers to experience and feel once they complete reading it what is the takeaway from pair in your opinion you know um i don't first of all i don't know if i approach uh fiction that way with the sort of a takeaway but again as as i say you know i got to make a lot of you know the edition that got nominated for uh, the show long listed for the international booker yes. i was able to make a lot of uh, once um once uh, grove atlantic got the rights for the international i insisted on making a lot of edits the thing is that you know my own grasp of i must say english has grown over the last decade or so because before that i had a sort of a i did my masters in literature and everything but i had a sort of a sort of a very indian i was i lived here i was here i was only here and it's and uh, i think a very clunky Uh, uh idiomatic indian english which is perfectly fine that's how i speak but i realized that you know for international audiences it needs to be different and i also learned i also learned re- reading other people i reading kalan raman reading suchitra reading uh you know um nandini and many others um you know how how to do render things smoothly um in english and uh uh because you know there is always this confusion in me about like you know should should i want to i want the reader to get uh, uh do i want to make the translation a bit not smooth you know so that they get they realize that it's they're reading about some other world and so these are all decisions that i've never been able to resolve you know uh, i think i'm slowly getting better at them but i was able to make a lot of edits but i also the thing that i i think that touched me more very much about uh pyre uh, was um you know again you know we read about honor killings or we read about uh, we read about intercaste marriages facing family family violence or something like this uh, um and we read them once they become court and court cases right uh, whether in the journalistic cases or legal cases but to um but to see but to to imaginatively render how it feels psychologically it's almost like a um, every chapter there 
the, especially in the middle part of i mean starting from the beginning but especially in the second half is like almost like a psychological thriller right i mean it's like how is what's her state of mind how is she experiencing in within it uh never feeling at home feeling threatened but not quite able to say what is threatening uh, what is going to happen something is looming um and imagine living like that and i think you know it 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 shows you wow what it must be to live like this right um so you know that's what uh, yeah she keeps thinking about impending danger and uh, she doesn't know where it is coming from uh that feeling uh, he i would say permal murgan are you you beautifully you are able to export that feeling into the reader that's wonderfully done actually thank you no all credit goes to permal murgan when i read it you know that see no again you know she wants to hope that uh things will become all right there is a part of her that yeah. really wants to hope um it's not even hope it's a desire to hope you know it's almost like she wants to feel but then the part of her there's nothing that proves that you know there's not no evidence around her that tells her that things are going to be better except for him right uh, he keeps assuring and then there is a moment when he she sees that his resolve is also failing because he's becoming he's getting drunk and he's finding it hard and then again you know when he finds when he sets up the shop in this nearby town when she goes there again that gives very funny like you know she gets she's given these little glimmers of hope you know that things might change um but then you know that's they are they're almost like mirages nothing nothing gives her a hold you know so so for me for me to see it's just very heart rending to read that yeah 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 i think that's the best part of the book in my opinion the kind of tension he creates you know yeah 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 and it's again no it's not an action packed thriller it's it's all it's 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 about the it's about how, how the world is and she she her perception of the world and her misgivings about the perception of the world and so uh you're very deeply moving i must say yeah so we have almost come to the, um, the end of my list mm-hmm. of questions um uh, can you tell us about your current projects and uh, translation projects that uh, have you aspired to take up or currently working on well uh, i recently published um uh, in the us um the indian edition is not out amazon crossing um has published my translation of uh, sundara ramasamis or poliyamaratin kadai uh, as the tamarind tree no it's available on amazon india to buy they will import it and give you yesterday i was checking oh good to know uh, i worked on it for a while again you know i had to work uh, through um covid and moving to princeton new things teaching and various things but uh it was also very challenging uh it's a very again a difficult novel because of all the different characters like there are a multitude of characters uh and there are stories stories within stories people telling stories about others and then and then you know you have to make sure that you know you you know when you when you've gotten out of a story within a story and you're um and um there is a lot of sarcastic humor um and uh, interestingly also in, very weirdly and interestingly all the characters are men right i mean they the women are talked about but they're all men and then so you and then uh, and some of the men are misogynist uh, uh, and you and you wonder oh wow is it a very masculinist is it a misogynist novel but then you realize you realize even as you read and and as you tra- i mean especially during the process of translation when i was reading it over and over is that you realize none of the men 
actually it's a novel about the petty it's it's a novel about many things but it's also about the about the pettiness of the world of men right about the um uh, none of the characters uh, survive our uh, moral scrutiny really you know um including i would say even the narrator the narrator is also you realize is a very interesting person not uh, without uh, flaws deep flaws uh, anyway it was a very interesting novel for me to do but um currently i'm not working on i might be getting into something but i will be able to talk about it uh, uh soon but i don't i'm currently just working on my book manuscript uh which is based on my research and stuff so yeah sure sure mm, and uh, getting pair long listed for the booker this year yeah it's a wonderful achievement uh, how did you feel about it uh, and uh, does it any way change the way you look at your work i just felt anxious <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, like i said i mean it um yeah uh, i think when i was doing when i was translating sundaram sami's puriya marathon kada i uh, last year you know it's been 10 years i would say 11 years since i first started sort of doing this work and i felt oh i'm i genuinely felt oh i'm actually beginning to, oh i'm beginning to see how this works how what this thing called translation means uh and it's a very humbling it's a very humbling feeling but it also doesn't mean i got it it's like i had a hard time and you know i worked with people but um uh i just like i said before i really wish i could somebody would give me a chance to do over everything that i have done so far i mean it i genuinely mean it because i think that i'm just beginning to get and this is not false modesty so it feels and again you know when you translate you feel this you know it's it's not your own it's somebody else's and uh it's a very interesting place to be in uh because you're trying to mediate a relationship between a text and the world uh and an author and his readers and new readers um so it's a very interesting place interesting sense of responsibility i'm never sure i'm up for the task but also as if i'm not able to stop myself from doing it so it's a very strange place to be in but i see other people i learn a lot from my fellow translators i must say um whether they are translators from tamil or from other languages i i read them and i imagine oh this is how they must have thought about it you know this is how maybe this is how they arrived at this so yeah thank you thank you aniruddin thank you very much thank you for your time and uh, i wish you all the best thank you very much Thank you so much and thanks uh, to you thanks to your listeners yeah